Welcome to Excel Radio with Dr. Nick Zarowski, where we talk with world-class entrepreneurs, executives, and health experts who have unlocked the secrets to Excel Health and performance. Hi, and welcome to Excel Radio. This is your host and high-performance expert, Dr. Nick Zarowski. On this episode, I bring to you Sylvie McCracken. Sylvie is a very successful entrepreneur, but also a mother. So on this episode, what we're going to be discussing is female entrepreneurship, how Sylvie went from being a full-time employee to a full-time entrepreneur, how she manages to run and operate a very successful company, all while juggling a family. And also, she's going to teach us some very practical skills such as outsourcing, delegating, and time management as well. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for coming on the show with us today, Sylvie. Thanks so much for having me, Nick. Well, the, really, the pleasure is uh, mine, and I think it's going to be the listeners as well. But the, one of the things that I want to ask you right off the bat is just explain to our audience what you do. Yeah, so that's a good question because it's always a hard one to explain when I meet people because I do so many different things. But basically, in a nutshell, I have a couple different businesses. One where I write health uh, ebooks on nerdy health topics like gut health and nutrition, and then another business where I teach entrepreneurs how to create ebooks the way I did in my health business, and okay. also how to outsource as many things as humanly possible, how to kind of promote themselves to CEO and stop being a solopreneur. Okay. Those are my two main gigs. All right, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to dig into that a little bit, the outsourcing part. But before we get into that, um, I one of the questions that I have for you, just because you brought it up, is that you make a lot of eBooks that are in the health category, without mm-hmm. a like a, a degree as a doctor or mm-hmm. um, you know a, a high level health degree. How did you get into that? Because it's kind of interesting yeah. that you are writing eBooks that doctors are selling and doctors mm-hmm. are consuming um, the material. And and it's funny because you're not really the, a health expert at all. However, mm-hmm. you have written incredible books on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a patient more than than anything else, right? So. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's funny because I actually started medical school in Argentina and did, I got as far as first year of medical school and then okay. I had to drop out, which is sort of an interesting kind of backstory that I, I once upon a time was interested in the doctor route and ended up abandoning that and, and going in a million other directions. But basically, you know, when I started writing eBooks, it definitely didn't go from zero to 60 right into the really complicated health topics. I just was starting, I started blogging about my experience. I had just kind of transition to real food and I had, you know, a list like an incredible list of diagnoses that I had been dealing with for my entire life and you know, a lot of them started reversing just by cleaning up my diet. And so of course, I couldn't shut up about it and my friends and family certainly didn't want to hear about it. So I had to dig to the internet and start blogging about it and then you know, I was really, really busy. I had a day job in the entertainment industry, so that was, you know, my main gig and I had three kids at home and whatnot. So I, I definitely knew I couldn't do a blog as a hobby. So right away I looked into how can I monetize the blog and eBooks was one of the, you know, one of the main ways that I considered. So my very first eBook was just plain and simple, how to transition your family and whatnot to real food. It was very basic. It was very beginner. Um, and it's still up and you know running today. But it wasn't until my second and third books that I started kind of getting more and more nerdy on it. And the reason why was because these were personal struggles for either me or my kids. So in the case of the scoliosis ebook or the gelatin secret, which was very much um, 
inspired by my daughter's scoliosis struggle, it was really a personal, it was a personal struggle and it was written as a, like from a patient to another patient of like, this is all the things we tried. Here's how, you know, this is how the experience went in all of these cases. In the, in the case of the scoliosis one, for example, it's very much just a mother's guide to all the different treatment options and, you know, how to navigate it really. Well, that kind of explains that then. I didn't, I wasn't aware that you spent a year in medical school. So that will explain why you focus <laughs> a lot in the healthcare industry then. And yeah, that you know, seems like ages ago. <laughs> right. And you know, the other thing that you mentioned too, is that you, you experienced these things. And I found through um, just with myself working with patients, like some of the best things, the, the things I'm the best at are the things I've experienced, the conditions I've experienced, because I can really yeah. uh, know how to deal with them. And some of the best doctors out there, they have literally experienced the conditions that they were working with. And um, and uh, it makes them very incredible at what they do. Yeah. Well, the, the thing about that too, is that sometimes people just want to hear from someone that's actually been in the trenches with something like SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which is such a hard thing to treat. I mean, really, I just wrote it as, uh, you know, kind of all the different treatment options, but in each one, kind of my experience and, and my recommendations on, look, this is how I handled a tube feeding diet for two weeks. Here are all the like, um, I don't even know what to call it. it. It's just sort of like survival guide tips in a way, you know, of like, look, when your family's eating food and you're sipping this nasty stuff, <laughs> here's a couple of things that you can do to prevent from going insane. Now, that's not doctor's advice. That's just a patient's advice. And a lot of the, the commentary that I've gotten from doctors is, thank you. You know, we only have 15 minutes with our patients. Now we can hand them this. And, you know, all their questions that would take hours to explain, they've got it from you. And we can just focus on their particular lab tests and how we treat their particular condition. And they've already come to us with a, a level one knowledge already in the books, basically. Yeah, no, and that's excellent. That's what I like doing with my patients as well. But um, we're going to we're gonna save this. We're going to have to do a separate episode, which we already talked about, on this whole topic awesome. of some of these different health conditions you cover because I think that you do an incredible job with it. But we're going to – We'll, we'll definitely have a episode about some of these down the road. Sounds great. But what I want to ask you, so, you know, being a female entrepreneur, did you come from an entrepreneurial family or did you just start this on your own? You know, I did not. Uh, I did not at all. And I think that it took me a very long time to realize that entrepreneurship was the only way for me, not just a way for me, but like that nothing else was ever going to work. I definitely did a few sort of um, attempts along the way. I mean, when looking back on it now, it's so clear, even as a kid, I was trying to sell potpourri in, in Ziploc bags that I was right. making at home. Um, but no, I mean, my family just thought I was sort of nuts. And also, especially when I had a family of five that I was supporting on my own and I was earning good money um, in my day job, you know, the, the idea of quitting it to, you know, um, really put all my eggs in this entrepreneurial basket it was was pretty much insane as far as my family was concerned. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. And you actually started building a business while you were still working a full time full time day job, correct? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean that, that was the only way really for me. My husband is a teacher, so in when we were working in Los Angeles and I was working in the entertainment industry, uh, it was. It wasn't really, you know, we had two little kids in addition to a teenager, so him working almost didn't make sense. By the time you pay a nanny and all of that, it, it just kind of didn't make sense with the kids at that age. So I was the only one working at the time, and um, yeah, if I was going to build that business, I mean, evenings and weekends was all I had. Well, I think that, you know, I off, 
when I offer advice about building a business or starting your own business, that's one of the things I always really push is that, look, you can't just drop everything you have and go start your business. Like start building your business while you have a job and then you can yeah. actually have some money and a little bit more freedom and and not the level of stress to put into your new company, not just drop it. Um, so I think that what you did was a really good decision on that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also what really fueled the outsourcing right away, even though, you know, like when my business had only made, you know, 50 bucks, I was like, I've got to hire someone because I knew, you know, if I only had 10 hours a week or so to build it, I thought this is going to take me forever at this rate. Oh my gosh, um, and, yeah. I'm, you know, I can't be doing the $10 an hour tasks when at my day job, I'm earning so much more than that. It just doesn't make sense. And so I thought, OK, even if I don't pay myself for a good while, if I can just reinvest what's coming in into kind of helping me build this into something bigger and leverage my time a little bit better, um, you know, that's the only way that we're going to make some progress here and get some traction. So that's kind of what really built that on that entrepreneurial muscle and made it a real business as opposed to, um, you know, just kind of a, a hobby that brought in a little extra money. Yeah, I like that. And you mentioned that it was a little bit of a transition trying to go from full-time employee to full-time entrepreneur. Like mentally, it was a pretty big transition for you. Yeah, I mean it's it's you know it's 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 sort of a thing. I mean it's it's a transition in so many ways. There's there's a mindset component to it where you really have to change your, you know, your mindset from that employee mindset that is so uh, ingrained in you to now you're a business owner and you kind of see everything or should see everything in a different light. Um, you should value your time differently. There's no longer this need to, um, you know, to have your butt in that seat for a certain amount of time, no matter what, if you're not feeling productive, then, you know, take the day off or go do something else and, and then come back when you're feeling refreshed and all of these different things. I call it like a, like an employee detox that you need to do. And it's, it's almost still in progress. I mean, I can still catch myself sometimes having these little habits that are so ingrained in myself from, uh, decades as an employee where, you know, I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't have to do this <laughs> this way. Um, so it's you have to kind of train yourself to think outside the box if you haven't really done that if you're if most of your life has been an employee in order to really step into that entrepreneurship role you have to you know, you have to make a lot of changes and and mindset is a huge one and it's actually going back to your kind of first question in regards to these ebooks I mean I, I struggled with that same question of who am I to write a book about small intestinal bacterial overgrowth if I'm not an MD? Is anyone going to take this seriously? And, right. you know, it's, it's a bit of a mindset hurdle. And at the end of the day, you go, well, screw it. Let's just do it and see what happens. See if it helps anyone. Right. Um, well, that's what happens a lot you know? in, in the entrepreneurial world. You're, you know, yeah. at some point you're just like, screw it. Let's go for this yep. and make it happen. If <laughs> It's a strategy. Screw the screw it strategy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now, one of the things that is really unique about you and one of the reasons that I love having you on the show is that, is that you are a female entrepreneur. You have kids. You have a very successful business. Now, can we talk about the family dynamic a little bit and ask you how this all works out? Because I know that our women listeners just are dying to hear this. How, how do you manage a business, manage having kids, and juggle all of that together? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. I think it's definitely, um, you know, we're still in the minority, although I think we're probably, um, you know, there's more and more female entrepreneurs every day. But, every, you know, I mean, you and I met at Mastermind Talks. It's still very much um, more male than female, of course. Right. But yeah, I think I think if I had to narrow it down to just one key sort of um, – 
what I can owe the the success to or the speed to, it would be my husband's support. Because without that, I mean, I've heard of many women who don't have their husband's support and it's sort of a constant uphill battle of, of trying to get enough time in the day or trying to um, you know, or trying to have their ideas validated by someone else, etc. And my husband has been my biggest sort of cheerleader in all of this, you know, from from day one. So a believing in me more than I believe in myself most of the time. And then also, he's such a you know, he's such a good dad, or I like to say he's a better mom than I am. And so I feel like if I've got to go on a trip for three or five days, I mean, he's got it, he'll rally and, and you know, get everything done. I mean, they're completely taken care of. Um, and so I find it sort of, I probably have it easier than a lot of female entrepreneurs have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, it's just a matter of, of making sure, I guess, if you have a partner, if you have children, if you have a partner, I mean, obviously they've got to be on board with this whole idea because entrepreneurship can be amazing in many ways. I mean, there's days where I work a half day because, you know, I'm with my kids the other half of the day and there's days where you know, if we're in the launch period, I feel like I'm working more than I did at my day job that week. And so, um, you know, somebody else has got to pick up the slack, obviously, on the home front. So is it you and your husband that just manage all of it? Or do you have like nannies and, and, you know, people to help you out with that? We don't have nannies. We do have uh, housekeeping help. And I also, one of my kids is a teenager. So she ends up helping us, you know, a lot. If I'm traveling, for example, um, you know, she'll step in and help with the kids, of course. Um, but you know, the, yeah, the last time we had nannies was when the kids were little and, you know, my husband was working for a few months. We had a nanny then, but it was just insanity. I mean, having, you know, having basically it was three adults, you know, working full time in some capacity. It just, that, that felt like the craziest time of my life for sure. Having two kids under two, a full time nanny and both of us gone all day. I gotcha. So one, one of the things that I know you are really the expert at, you teach people, you teach entrepreneurs, you teach business professionals how to do this is outsourcing, mm-hmm. delegating, and managing an online team. So with yeah. that family dynamic and that thought still uh, with us, how does this work um, utilizing outsourcing, outsourcing and delegating to help make everything manageable for you? Um, well, I mean, I, so I feel like everything that I'm not, you know, amazing at everything that I don't love doing everything that doesn't absolutely require me can be outsourced and in many cases should be outsourced. So I'm talking specifically on the business front now, because I mean, obviously like, you know, yesterday I spent the entire afternoon with one of my daughters. Yes, I could have hired a a nanny for 10, $15 an hour, but it's, you know, I obviously do it for other reasons. I mean, I, it's something that I want to do. Um, but on the business front, I feel like there's no CEO that ever grew a company to any reasonable scale while still doing those 10 and $15 an hour tasks themselves. Mm -hmm. So I always like to say that, you know, I mean, there's obviously 10 and $15 an hour tasks. There's also $50 an hour tasks, a hundred dollar an hour tasks. I mean, you've got to decide at, at what point, um, you know, you should be doing things yourself. And obviously when you first start out, if your biggest resource is time, you've got all the time in the world, but you don't have a lot of money to invest, then cool. You're wearing all the hats. That's totally fine. But at some point, if you don't get yourself out of those 10 and $15 an hour tasks, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not going to be a business that's going to scale and, and you can't and shouldn't be doing everything yourself. So I like to say that those, those are the tasks that are really on fire. That's an emergency for you to outsource. And then 
So that's on one end of the spectrum. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I've also, you know, I don't have this on my website anywhere. This is like word of mouth only that I take on very, very few clients, but I'm helping very, very successful entrepreneurs on a whole different level to outsource, um, you know, most of their life. I used to work as a celebrity personal assistant for a long time. So I know sort of what it takes to make, you know, very successful people tick and and how to kind of optimize their life in a certain way. So I've brought that celebrity experience to very successful entrepreneurs as well. And it's been sort of fascinating because that's, you know, obviously they're way past the outsourcing 10 and $15 an hour task, um, you know, homework. They've got that down. They've been doing that for years. But sometimes it's bringing it into their home life and day to day life of having a little more ease and, you know, being able to go through security at the airport in, in just a few minutes. And that kind of thing is what I'm helping them with. So that's been fascinating as well. Now, when you talk about outsourcing, though, can you go into like what outsourcing yeah. and delegating may look like a little bit? Because, you know, sure. I know that there's some guys out there who talk about outsourcing and it's all about using apps and this and that. I mean, what what are we talking about when we say outsourcing and delegating? Can you give some yeah. specifics? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I guess it depends on where you are, but at the most basic level, I feel like, well, I like to say, you know, automate first and then outsource. So a lot of times people just go straight to hire an assistant. They just assume that's what they need. And the truth is that they have very inefficient processes in place or no processes, no systems at all. And now they're just passing along the inefficiency to someone else and wasting money by hiring someone for 10 hours when that task should have been done in two. Um, so what I, what I mean is, yeah, use all the apps and all the systems that you can in order to make your life a little bit easier, a little bit more automated. Um, and then, you know, like if you have a calendar scheduler or stuff, something like that, I find that a lot more efficient than hiring someone to make appointments for you. Right. Um, but then, you know, outsourcing to me means hiring people, whether here or overseas or both. I've done both and I'm, I'm happy with both. Um, and, and just getting things off of your plate and onto somebody else's. So moving things from your to-do list to somebody else's to-do list so that you actually have time to focus on all those things that have been on the back burner for you, which is the whole growing your business, the CEO role, right? So, um, yeah, so allowing yourself to, you know, the classic work on your business and not in your business, that's pretty much what outsourcing means to me. Okay, I, I got you. So are you hiring somebody to work with you or do you do more of the overseas type of thing? I do both. So it depends on what I'm doing. So when I very first started, I hired someone overseas. I was terrified I wouldn't be able to afford her even. Um, hired her for very few uh, hours. And, you know, she paid for herself within the first month. I was asking her to do things like format a blog post, things that were very replicable that I could show her once and she could do you know, on an ongoing basis, add affiliate links to ingredients, we were doing recipe posts, you know, uh, put the title over the image, stuff like that, so that I could kind of assembly line the process and I was no longer having to do everything. Um, and then nowadays I've got people all over the world. I still have people overseas. I have people in the US, um, I've got people in Europe, people in the Philippines. Um, it depends on what kind of task. Obviously when I need someone with English as a first language, that person is in Wisconsin for me. Um, mm -hmm. And she's also the person that does all my design because that's just what she happens to be great at. But, you know, I, ironically, some of my most expensive people are overseas. Um, and that's, you know, some tech stuff and, you know, using our complicated CRMs and stuff like that. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I just wanted to know how you do that. And so there's some people even talk about, you know, outsourcing, like, where there's apps or that you can have somebody pick up your laundry and do things. Mm -hmm. Do you do anything like that? 
Um, you know, I just moved back into the States after two years abroad a few weeks ago. So I feel like I just landed from Mars basically. And, you know, so a lot of those apps that, you know, I've literally just landed here and I don't even know, I I just figured out where the heck the grocery store is. Um, so I'm way behind on the home front in terms of outsourcing, but no, I mean, for the most part, um, you know, it's, it's just between having a housekeeper and having, you know, groceries delivered, you know, 90% of my life is sorted at home pretty much. So. I got you. Okay. Let's move on to the topic of time management because this is a big deal for uh, entrepreneurs. It's a bigger deal for um, a a woman entrepreneur with a family or Mm -hmm. maybe any entrepreneur with a family because I tell you, I look at a lot of the very successful people who are my age um, in the entrepreneurial community and it's interesting because it might be a husband and wife without kids it might just be a single guy and i'm just like man they're they're doing so well but like you know they their time like they don't have to worry about time management like i do they don't have to, yeah. they don't go home with kids and and you know have to still raise a family so can you talk about that from your perspective as a yeah. mother and a sure. business professional Yeah, I mean, you know, I think in a way my time management sort of uh, skills developed when I was, I mean, I had my first child when I was 18. I was a single mom for a long time, Um, you know, had to work my butt off and then come home and, and, and be a parent and all of that jazz. I mean... I, you know, I had to sort of get into that classic multitasking that that female working moms do. Um, I don't know that that's exactly ideal time management, but it is what it is. Um, but I think that the, the the first thing when it comes to time management is you have to value your time. So you have to literally um, kind of you know stick a value on it, stick a monetary value on it if you want. You can either calculate it and make it as accurate as possible or make it up, uh, you know, in terms of what feels good for you and decide what you're going to do and what you're going to stop doing. I mean, part of it, especially for women, we have a harder time in general, broad generalization saying no than men do. So we are the classic, you know, sign up for the PTA this and the volunteer that and the, you know, all of these different things. And if we don't do a hundred things then we're terrible women and terrible mothers. And I think the first step is sort of getting over that hump where it's like, yeah, you're not, you're not going to please everybody, um, but you literally cannot do everything. And if you're running a business and having children and, and all of that kind of stuff, you've got to figure out what the priorities are. And for me, the two priorities are, are those two things. It's time with family and time spent being a CEO. So, you know, everything else kind of comes secondary to that. So once I've got those two main buckets, I can sort of, you know, decide where my time is going to be and, and how I can sort of cross off things off the list before you even outsource people jump to outsource but i'm like okay but first what can we eliminate entirely that not only you don't need to do but you don't need to pay anyone else to do either because it should be you know it shouldn't be done anymore um and so and then there's you know then there's of course getting help and that doesn't have to necessarily be hiring people but you know, you don't have to be the one doing everything. You know, if you've got other people at home, whether they're children or a spouse or whatever, you know, it's somebody else can help you with things. So I think we often get into that role of, um, you know, we have to do all of the domestic stuff. We have to do, you know, we're working, we're, we're parenting, we're the main go-to parent most of the time. So it's just a matter of kind of restructuring that a little bit, changing those habits. Okay. Now, do you have a method that you use when it comes to, you said, time time for work related business and then time for family now one of the things that happens with a lot of people is it crosses over and it just becomes this big mixed up pot Mm -hmm. where they're really not differentiated at all and so when they're with their family they're not really spending 
like mm-hmm. real focused time with their family. And then when they're at work, they're not really spending focused time at work. And really, I mean, when they're with their family, they're not really there. Like mentally, they're not there. Yeah. Physically, they're there, but not mentally. So do you have a method in which you make sure that this is a priority for you and that you're very clear on where your time is focused? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of always evolving. It's not ever, you know, I don't know that it's ever perfect or ever defined as like right. the ultimate way that we handle it. And, and with the kids' ages, things change. Obviously, when my kids were babies and toddlers, I mean, they needed me um, more than, you know, more than anything, basically. Um, so right. it, it depends. But I think one of the main ways that I do, I, I make it a priority is, you know, I guess a lot of the time comes out of, you know, what I would have otherwise done, what I did when I was simply an employee in my 20s. I would just come home and at night I'd watch TV. I don't even have a TV. I don't even remember what was the last time I owned one. So I very rarely <laughs> right. will watch it. You know, I'll go through a phase where I'll watch a Netflix show and, and that'll be my phase and then I'm over it. But in general, I go to bed early and I get up early. I do kind of a miracle morning, you know, five minute journal, all of that jazz before my kids are even up. So that because the other, you know, big part of that is self-care, right? As, as mothers, we tend to sort of give everything and the last possible drop is, is left for us. And I, you know, I think I've sort of front footed it. And that was, you know, mostly because of reading Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning book. And I find that if I sort of have, even if it's a half an hour in the morning before my kids get up to just do my thing, then I'm sort of like, okay, I'm ready. Like now they're waking up, they're hungry, they need breakfast, they need all of these things. And I try and build in a schedule of some sort for myself. So, you know, basically give myself office hours uh, to a degree. So I batch my calls and interviews and that kind of thing on certain days where the kids won't be around. So I'm not feeling pulled in all kinds of directions. And, you know, it's, it's ever evolving, basically. Very good. And, you know, I, I, I'm not the type of person who gets stuck on any particular schedule either. It's always, it's always Mm -hmm. revolving. And, and, um, you know, I've been part of, uh, you know, strategic coach and many different things where they create these schedules for you and this is how it's supposed to be done and this is what it takes to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I've just never found myself to be able to stay into a, a single schedule slash <laughs> slash um, path. I, I always just find myself uh, evolving as we as I move forward. So yeah, it's like a season. I think I call it, you know, I just feel like it's, it's seasons in a right. way. One of the things that you do with your eBooks is you create uh, passive income and then also in probably many other ways. Can you talk about why having passive income is very important uh, as an entrepreneur and just as a regular, regular anybody, I guess, out in the world, Mm -hmm. why passive income can benefit you so much? Yeah, well, I, you know, I call it insurance for entrepreneurs, because I feel like, you know, passive income, I mean, some people get really triggered with that term, where they're like, oh, this is such BS, this is, you know, basically sipping martinis on the beach, or, you know, whatever, not doing any work. I mean, passive income is just front loading the work, creating a product, and then it sells continually, whether you're working, not working, working on something else, sleeping on vacation, or whatever. And the degree to which that sells depends on a million different things. But I feel like, you know, when I first started and I was trying to, you know, create, you know, my first few dollars of income in my business, but also look at that 10 year plan. And I was like, okay, let me, let me see what I can do with this blog. How can I monetize this information? But I knew that I had to, you know, I had such limited time. I wanted something that I could work on and then it would continue selling without me needing to be present, um, you know, while I worked on the next product and, and so forth and so on. So that's how I landed on doing ebooks for that passive income. 
And, you know, the interesting thing is, I mean, obviously it just depends on, um, you know, your audience size and, and all kinds of things. But, you know, some of my students in my Create Passive Income with eBooks course, you know, some of them have just hit their first five-figure month with eBooks and they, they had kind of been nurturing an audience for, for a while. And then I also have had people, like I have an interview with one of my students coming out soon who had, you know, was making no money and, and just made her first few hundred dollars with this eBook, but it's still selling every single month. You know, she's, she's making a few hundred dollars every single month as she continues to grow her audience. So, you know, it can mean different things to different people, but I feel like it doesn't have to be your entire source of income or your entire, your only revenue model at all. As a matter of fact, I love diversifying things, but I feel like passive income should definitely be one of your revenue streams for sure. Just so that, you know, if you need to take a day off, if things get crazy or you want to go on vacation, you know, your patients or your clients or whatever, you know, kind of, um, you know, are, are, aren't as frequent as you'd like, you're still making some money without you being there. Right. So this could be eBooks. This could be really any form of, I would, I would say, online sales. I mean, I, I'm thinking it must sure. have to stay in the online world to be able to make it passive. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be able to be, you know, like like with the ebook, for example, it is bought and they receive an email. And if this happens at three in the morning, even if my entire team is asleep and so am I, I mean, they can still get access to this information. They don't need us at all. And the thing, the reason why I prioritize ebooks over courses or anything like that when I'm talking about passive income is because, I mean, for example, in my courses, I don't necessarily consider it passive income. I mean, part of it is passive because I've created the course and it sells without me being there. But I'm very active in that Facebook group. We have, right. you know, I have some support and all of that. Ebook, the ebooks are passive because I don't have, that's it. Once it's sold, it's sold. There's nothing else for me to do. So that's what I consider truly passive income. Okay. Well, that's, that's, um, good enough. <laughs> good enough for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The, the passive income is, is really, it's it's awesome. I think that uh, you're right on right on target with that, saying that everybody should have some sort of passive income, just for whatever reason. Um, you know, they it benefits people so much. Yeah. Okay. Well, Sylvie, um, it was a pleasure having you on the show, and I know that uh, all the mo working moms out there are thanking you right now. You're a rock star, so we appreciate that, um, and you sharing Thank your you. wisdom and knowledge with us. So. Um, Thank you for coming on with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. It was a pleasure. If you have not done so yet, you have to get connected with us. And I'll tell you why. Because we deliver so much valuable information that will teach you how to increase your level of health, how to increase your performance, how to exercise properly, how to eat well, you name it. We just take this healthy lifestyle package and we dive into it and just tell you all the details that you need to know in order to live a healthy lifestyle. So here's how you get connected. Follow us on Facebook at New Vision Excel. And then if you want to be a part of our private Facebook group, which is invite only, you can go to excelpodcast.com and you can request to get entered into this group. In this group, we talk about all the topics I just mentioned, but we dive a little bit deeper and I show up in there a little bit more and have a lot of presence in there so that I can actually you know, help people one-on-one -on -one in order to help them skyrocket their health. So if you have not done so yet, follow us on Facebook, go to excelpodcast.com and join our private Facebook group. And then lastly, newvisionexcel.com is loaded with articles. I write about three articles a week. I personally write three articles a week 
for newvisionexcel.com in order to help people skyrocket their health. We put these podcasts on there. We just put tons and tons of uh, information that will help you take your health to the level that you want it to be at, help you achieve your health goals, and help you ultimately live a better life. So follow us and join us in our group, and I look forward to seeing you there. If you want more information to multiply your health and simplify your lifestyle, visit our website at excelpodcast.com. Until next time, have an outstanding day.